Come on, give the Lord all the praise tonight. He's worthy, church. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, give him a radical praise. I know some of you are tired, but come on, give him that sacrifice tonight. Come on, lift your voice and give him praise. He's worthy, church. Come on, you know he reached way down to get you. Come on, he'd been patient with you when a lot of people gave up on you, but he found you, amen. He pulled you out of that miry clay, loved you when nobody else could love you. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. You can be seated tonight. Let me just take a moment and, and just give honor where honor is due. I want to just say thank you to Pastor Todd and Karen and all of the staff and those that have served through the Ignite Women's Conference. I want to thank you for your sacrifices, for your labor of love, for your devotion to stay in those waters till over 5 o'clock in the morning to minister to the last one, Pastor Marty as passionately and as fervently as you minister to the first one. Thank you to those that have cleaned the toilets and vacuumed the floor. Thank you to those that have served in the ushers and the altar workers. Thank you for your devotion to God. Your labors don't go unseen. You're the ones that his face is looking upon. I'm reminded, and then I'm just gonna share a, a prophetic word that the Lord has given me for tonight and we're gonna open up the waters. I'm reminded of the woman that burst into Simon the Pharisee's house. Simon was a Pharisee that had complete knowledge and revelation of the word. A Pharisee meant that he was one who articulated the word and explained it to others exactly what it meant. They knew the meaning of the scriptures, but yet he invited Jesus being fully God, the creator of heaven and earth, in him, by him, and by him and through him were all things created. The presence of the almighty God that measures the universe from his thumb to his pinky is setting in his presence. And without any accolades or any emotional expressions, without any sacrifice, he just allows him to sit in the room. But then a sinner woman, who is, according to Scripture, possibly a harlot, known by everyone around what kind of woman she is. For even Simon said, if this, if this man talking about Jesus were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is. And the Bible says she burst into the house and she began to weep over his feet. She began to wipe his feet with her hair. And then she would take the greatest gift that she possibly could. She took out her alabaster box and the expensive perfume and ointment that was in that box and she broke it. She began to pour it on Jesus extravagantly to the point that it made everybody in the house uncomfortable except Jesus. It's a shame sometimes that a sinner has more appreciation for the presence of God than people who have lived all their life in the Word. Is it possible that we can know about God and never know who He really is? But I promise you, that the Bible says that Jesus looked at this woman 
and spoke to Peter, or spoke to Simon. Do you realize that those that are willing to express their life through the revelation of who he is has the attention and the face of God? I need to say that one more time. Those that are willing to express their lives, it's not about emotion, it's about revelation. It's not about the fact of what kind of person you are. I'm an intellect, I'm a business person, I'm unemotional. No, it's not. When you get a revelation of who he is and everything he's done for you, you will throw all of that aside because you cannot contain the expression of love and devotion. It is not that I've got to serve, I've got to work, I've got to labor. I can't help not worship. I can't help not serve. I can't help not give him everything I have because I've got a revelation of who he is. When you got a revelation of who he is, nobody will ever have to beg you to serve. Nobody will ever have to beg you to come to church. They'll never have to call you if you're absent to find out if you've decided to be offended and go home. When you got a revelation of who he is, you will walk past your offenses, you will walk past your hurt, you will bow your knee in submission and surrender, and you will worship with a radical worship because you cannot contain the revelation of who he is in your life. It's not about emotion. Religion teaches you be this way or that way. A revelation of Jesus gives it all. I want to say thank you to those of you that have the revelation of who he is. And it's amazing to me that a sinner woman who never lived devoted to the word could get a revelation of who he was. Just like a woman with an issue of blood. She could have lived all her life, but she got one revelation from one word that when she heard about him, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. And that one revelation calls her to radically go after God, step on everybody around her, push them out of the way, and move into the hymn that she could receive her miracle. I want to say to somebody in this room tonight, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what the doctor's report is. I don't care how many times he cheated on you. I don't care how bad splintered your marriage is. I come to tell you tonight that the miracle worker is in the house. There is deliverance in this house. There is salvation in this house. There is healing in this house. There is restoration in this house. There is restitution for the things the enemy has stolen from you. And you may feel like that you've been treated unjustly but I'm telling you the justifier has come into the house tonight to make things right God I feel the Holy Ghost Whew. he's in the house to rectify some wrongs to make things right to show those in this room that will believe him for who he is that he is everything he said he is he is the great I am I want to share this word and I'm going to give a, a an invitation to open the waters tonight. I heard the word of the Lord say to me tonight, 2023, it's gonna be the greatest year of advancement that the body of Christ has ever seen. That 2023 would be the emerging of his church. And as God raises up his church and his body, it's going to bring a great separation. It's even gonna bring great hostility. 
because when God begins to cause his church to emerge, the church is going to have the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. And because the image of Christ is going to emerge in his body, it's going to reveal the masquerade of religion. And when religion can no longer parade itself or masquerade itself as being the true church, it's going to become angry. There's going to come opposition. But let me encourage you today that it will not stop what God is doing in this hour. And because God's causing his church to emerge, you're not going to know names. You're not going to know faces because what God's going to do is a body thing. And some of those that have never been recognized or never known are those that God will use the greatest. And the reason that God is going to use those people is because they don't care about the fame and they don't care about nobody else's name. All they care about is the fact they want the will of God done in their life. They did not go after God for a ministry. They did not go after God for numbers in their churches. They did not go after God to be known, heard, or seen. They went after God because they wanted to behold his face. And because they went for the face of God, they will walk in the power and the authority of God. This will be miracles that the news media and the world will have to stand up and recognize. It will not be things that can be written off as hype. It cannot be things that, that were written off as extravagant, uh, just uh, exaggerated uh, things that people get up and testify. It will be documented miracles of the power of God from the dead being raised to the paraplegics that will get out of wheelchairs and you will see the miraculous of God done in this year because God is gathering his harvest like never before. This is the year of gathering. This is the year that we are to thrust in the sickle church like never before. And those that are passionate for what God is passionate for, they will see the great and mighty harvest of our Lord in 2023. The separation is coming. Because there are those that are willing to pay the price and those that will not pay the price. Others want to continue with their methods, their philosophies, and their same mechanical routine that has produced nothing but an impotent church. And because they're unwilling to do the thing that is necessary, they will not be able to receive in the same way that there was a separation between the ten virgins. And the Bible said the separation come because five had oil and five did not have oil. And you're going to be able to know in this hour who has oil and who does not have oil. You'll be able to distinguish what is a real Christian from those that are a poser. The scripture says to those that didn't have oil, that those that had it, they asked them for their oil. And the Bible said that we can't give at least we, we won't have enough. Go and buy the oil. 
There's been a polluted lie told from the pulpits of America. Salvation is free, but the anointing of God will cost you your entire life. If you're not willing to lose your life, you will never have the anointing. You can't have it transferred by the laying on of hands from another person. The most anointed preachers in the world can blow on you. You can fall in the floor and you can shiver and shake. But the only way to obtain the true anointing of God is die to yourself that Christ might live through you. price that is to be paid for this oil is the laying down of our lives, our pride, our agendas, what we want so that God can have what he wants. So that we can be the people of no reputation, that Jesus' reputation can be seen and exalted by all. I feel like I need to say that one more time. We must make ourselves of no reputation. That we are not important. Our names are not important. That it's okay if the people forget what we said and forget who we are by the time they walk out the building. As long as they remember and exalt the name that is above every name. That when they testify, they don't say, preacher so-and-so prayed for me. Bishop prayed for me. Pastor prayed for me. The evangelist prayed for me. They will say, the Lord touched me. Those that have paid the price to choose to live in the secret place. I hear from preachers and leaders all the time, you can't live there all the time. They're lying, yes you can. It all depends on your willingness to do what God has asked of every one of us to do. And he told us before we started this journey, sat down and count the cost. Make sure that before you start building, you've got enough to finish what you started. In other words, you've got to know that God is enough. Enough to give you the grace, enough to give you the wisdom to be able to learn to stay in his presence. To understand that my priorities have to be daily set in order. That I will spend the time on my face that I will spend the time dying to self. And let me just say this to you, you'll never die to yourself by your own abilities. You will only die to yourself by the grace of God. It takes God to lay your life down. When Jesus wrestled in the garden with the destiny of a cross to save humanity, let me assure you of one thing God's asking you to lay down your life so that others might be saved that don't deserve it through your life in ministry. So many times we'll lay down our sacrifices, make extravagant sacrifices to God for the salvation of a 50,000 a year tither. For somebody who will support our ministry, 
and encourage us to become our intercessors and become our best church workers. But God said, I really need you to lay your life down for a prostitute, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a womanizer, a homosexual, a transvestite, that I may be able to change their life through your submission and surrender and never worry about the results. Just give your life freely and sacrificially that I can use you. A generation of people that will follow the pattern of Jesus when he was about to lay his life down for the sins of humanity. As he walked in that garden with such antagonizing prayer that the Bible said that he sweat if it were great drops of blood. But three times he pleaded with the Father, not my will but thy will be done. If it's possible, let the cup pass, but not my will. Thy will be done. And the Bible said in one of the accounts in the gospel that God sent angels to minister to Jesus at the end of his prayer. You understand it's going to take divine help for you to be able to lay your life down. That when you come out of that garden and out of that secret place and out of that place of prayer, that you will say, no man takes my life. I lay my life down. It's not something that you can do because you're forced to do it. It's something you willfully do. The transition of my prayer in the last five years has been going, God, kill me. To God, give me grace to die. I want to be a living sacrifice that climbs up on the brazen altar. I don't need my throat slit to be there. I don't need the priest to put me there against my own will. I don't want to bray and cry and, 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 and scream as going to the altar, but I want to walk like my Savior walked because I've come out of the prayer closet and the heart of my Father has been invested in me that the DNA of who he is has become my greatest passion. And I say, God, I willfully lay my life down Not for the bigger church, not to be known, not for the money, not for the accolades, not for the prestige, not for the preaching engagements, but so the name of Jesus, we be glorified and made known great to every ear that will hear, so that the testimony of the greatness of Jesus will cause sinners to burst through the doors of a religious atmosphere where they would be judged and criticized, where they would have fingers pointed at them, where they knew that if they walked in that they were going to be criticized and possibly even thrown out, that there is a great revelation of Jesus coming through the life of the people that'll cause the harlots of our generation to burst into a religious atmosphere and throw down their hair and begin to weep and worship in the presence of an almighty God because they know
out of the testimony and the presentation of the life of Christ through his church that there is hope of redemption and salvation, that there's no life he can't change. There's no teenager that's suicidal. I feel the Holy Ghost. Because they're struggling with their identity. They're struggling from being low on the totem pole. And as it relates to the pecking order of bullies, that they're struggling because of the pressures of home and the conflicts from their parents because they decided they had rather have the world than they had raised their children in the admonition of the Lord. And there's a generation of people that are waking up right now and realizing sports didn't fix your kids. Baseball didn't fix your kids. It didn't strengthen them for life and the challenges that an that a, that a, that a, that a immoral generation has brought against them. But I want to say to that one tonight that's in this room, no matter how broken you are and damaged you may feel right now, no matter how dark things are around you, the King of glory has come to deliver you out of despair, deliver you out of depression, deliver you out of suicidal thoughts, deliver you out of hopelessness, and bring you into the purpose and the plan that he created you for. So my invitation tonight is pretty simple. Are you going to be the one that said, God, I'll pay the price. I'm going to be the one that's going to lay down my life, my ministry, my agendas, my aspirations. I'm going to lay down everything I have and not negotiate with God. I'm just going to freely lay my life down. I'm going to freely lay down what I thought was my ministry. I'm going to freely lay down what were my aspirations and goals and objectives. What I called my vision for years, I'm going to lay it down so that I can say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. And whatever that looks like, I'll embrace it with great joy. Whatever the extent of that obedience brings, God, I will rejoice in the fact that at the end of the day, the only reward I needed was when I closed my eyes. That night, I know that I obeyed God. If only God had a generation of people that just wanted him. Not all that he could do for them, but him. People with a tenacity, like the psalmist, as the deer panted for the water, Lord, so my soul longeth after thee. Thank God all I want is you. I'm coming for you, God. I'm coming for you tonight. I'm not coming for stuff. I'm coming for you. I'm not coming for your hand. I'm coming for your face tonight. God, I'm not coming to be at your feet. I'm coming to climb all the way up in your lap. Grab you by your cheeks and look you eye to eye. 
that God, that I may behold your glory. And I promise you those that behold his glory will be those that reflect his glory. You will never reflect what you don't behold. God said, I've got a generation that will behold my glory and not a religious system. There's a separation coming, church. What side of the fence are you going to be on? What decision will you make? My invitation tonight is for people that are willing to lay down their life, that are willing to get into water and say, God, give me grace to die well. Give me grace to lay down my life tonight. That as your church emerges, I will be part of that body. That I will make known the name of Jesus and I will reflect his glory. Stand with me all over the building if you would. I want you to bow your heads. Intercessors, I need you to start interceding right now. If you're an intercessor, I need you to start interceding right now. If you travail, travail, we won't get excited. If you groan, groan, just pray. As you bow your heads and as the saints pray, if you're in this room and you're one of those people that you're out there and you're lost, you're like Simon, you know about God, but you don't know him. You know all the protocols. You know scripture. And let me just assure you of one thing. Just because you know scripture don't mean you know God. The devil knows the Bible better than most Christians I've ever met. Because he had the confidence to quote it to the Son of God in the wilderness. So knowing the Bible doesn't qualify you to be a Christian. You can know all about him, have all of your doctrine and theology, every I dotted, every T crossed, and still not know him. What does it mean to know him? It means you want to live for him. It means nobody has to make you. Nobody has to force you to go to church. Nobody has to force you to worship. You see, the problem is we're trying to force people to do things in this religious system. That's always what the manipulation of the Pharisees and the Sadducees did, manipulate people to live for God. We just found encouraging ways to keep manipulating people and we called it the seeker-sensitive movement. But it ain't no more different manipulation than the Pharisees with their manipulation of condemnation. God is looking for people to get born again that there has been a spiritual transformation in their life that I want to live for him. I want to sell out for him. I don't need nobody to make me come to church, read my Bible and pray. I got born again and it's my heart's passion because there was a spiritual transformation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things really are passed away. And behold, all things really do become new. Salvation is not a get out of hell free card. It is a total life transformation.
It is a change that is recognizable to you and everybody that knows you. I may just be one of the few preachers that's got the backbone to tell you that if you didn't experience a change, you didn't get it. Go back and get the real thing. I love preachers, but preachers would have sent Lance Johnson to hell because they all told me I was saved because I repeated a prayer. Got sprinkled as a Methodist, baptized as a Baptist, and I was a $250 a day cocaine habit. I was an alcoholic, and those pastors still told me, well, you know, you've been saved, brother. Jesus loves you, and you, you love the Lord. I was dying and going to hell till September 2nd. When I got born again in my living room, I got angry because I couldn't understand why those preachers lied to me and told me I was right when I was so lost. Thirty-three years of Christian folks in September. You listen to me. I've been through hell. I got more scars on me than you would ever be able to evaluate and count. I've been betrayed. I've been undermined. I have failed. I have struggled. I've been talked about. I've had everything I own took away from me by the church. I've had them try to cause me and my wife to divorce. I've had them tell me, if you'll leave Bishop, we'll pay you and take care of you and your kids, but if you stay with her, that's what those elders told my wife. If you stay with him, you ain't getting nothing. And not one time did I prop my feet up on a recliner and talk about the hypocrites in church because there's a change that happened in my life in 1990. I can't quit. I won't quit. I refuse to quit. I may have to step back till he heals something in my life, but I will not be a backslider and I will not go back to the pig pen that he brought me out of. Not because I had a good pastor, but because I have a great shepherd and his name is Jesus and he abides in me by the Holy Ghost. So tonight, before you respond to my first prophetic word, I'm giving an invitation for every man and woman in this room that would look at me in honesty and sincerity and say, Bishop, if I died tonight, I may not go to heaven. I don't know if I'm saved. Listen, don't you dare risk this invitation and gamble with your salvation and your eternal life. I'm asking you tonight, if there's any doubts, I'm gonna tell you what Paul said in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I'm gonna tell you from a guy who was on both sides of the fence, don't live another day in the pig pen when you can come home to the palace today. Don't run from the mercies of God in fear that you can't live for him because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. It's not a change you gotta make, but it's a change that if you will give your life to him, he will do for you. Every head bowed, intercessors praying. If you're in this room 
and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never been born again, you've never been changed. And in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three and I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise as high as you can. I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to forget about people. And I want you to come to God today with every fiber of who you are. He went to the cross openly for you. He went to the garden and bled and prayed. And then he went to the, to the cross and he did it willfully because he loved you. The least you can do tonight is come after him with all your heart. Because he's coming after you. Right now, he's on his way. He's dealing with you right now. He's pulling on your heartstrings right now. You know how I know? Because the Bible said no man can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And right now you feel like there's a rope around your heart and he's pulling with all heaven's power. Don't you fight him tonight. You come after him. Yield to what he's doing right now. To every backslider in this room, you walked with him and you walked away like the prodigal did. And you never thought you'd be back in the pig pen where you are right now. But I'm telling you, the Father's looking at you right there where you are because he sees that his son and his daughter that was lost has come to themselves. And just like the prodigal came to himself and said, back at my father's house, tonight, some of you are saying in your spirit right now, I've made a mess out of things. I'm coming home. I feel it, church. Oh, I feel it. You want to come home, don't you? You're tired of being broken. You're tired of the hurt and the frustration. It's time to come home. At the count of three, I want every person in this room, backslid or lost, to raise their hand. I want you to raise it high. I want you to hold it there. I want you to do it aggressively. Because too many times we've told them, bow your heads, close your eyes, and nobody will ever know. God needs to know tonight you need a Savior. With all the courage in you right now, I want you to raise those hands. One, two, three. Raise them up, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. All over the building, all over the building, raise them up. Raise them up. Those of you with your hands in the air, look at me. Do you mean it? Do you want him to change your life? Are you really ready tonight to draw a line in the sand and turn away from your old life and go after God? Are you ready for God to change you? Are you ready for the shackles to come off your life? Are you ready to become brand new? If you are, while the saints are still praying, I'm gonna count to three one more time. When I get to three, I don't want you to walk. I want you to run right down here to this altar. I want you to come like you're running into the arms of a merciful Savior that came to redeem you and bring you out of all the shame and the pain that you've lived in. One, two, three. Come on, right now. Come on, come on, come on. Run, 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 run. The devil will not steal another day. The devil will never take another day from you. You will never have another wasted moment of life. Oh, intercessors pray. Here's where the war starts. Come on, I need you to pray. Those of you praying the Spirit, pray. Pray right now. Altar workers, I need you to come and join these right now. Come on, altar teams. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to pray. I got to open the waters. 
Come on, pray, church. Come on, pray. There's warfare happening right now. Hell, hell tonight is being defeated. The blinders are coming off the eyes tonight. Heaven's preparing a party right now. Pray, church, pray. Just worship for a moment. I'm going to pray with him. Give me just a second. Go ahead. building I want you to begin to cry out to God I want you to tell him right now Heavenly Father I repent of my sins I'm turning from that old way of life God I don't want to live that way anymore and I'm turning to Jesus tonight and with all my heart I believe that he died for my sins I believe he shed his blood that tonight all my sins are forgiven and God I believe with all my heart and I confess with my mouth that on the third day you raised Christ from the dead and Father tonight raise me up a brand new person let your resurrection power make everything in my life brand new I trust you, Lord. My hope, my faith, and my confidence is in you, Lord Jesus. And everything you did for me, you need to tell him, thank you, God, you didn't give up on me. Thank you, God, you reached me tonight. Thank you that you came for me in my seat and you brought me out of there and you brought me to this point where I'm at in this altar right now. Thank you. And tell him tonight, Jesus, you're my Lord. I will follow you for the rest of my life. You are my Savior and you are my Lord. My life is yours. I will not take it back. I'll lay it down every day. Live your life through me, Jesus. Do in me what I could never do for myself.
while they're praying in the altar. How many no names have I got in the building today? Just no names. I don't want to be nobody. I just want to be obedient. How many of you really willing to lay your life down every day and say, God, I lay it down today and I'm going to lay it down tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. I'm going to walk the journey of dying daily and giving God everything. I heard the word of the Lord say to me, tonight lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset you. Whatever has been holding you back from going all in, tonight you need to leave it in the water. Some of you tonight, as you lay down some sins, you've justified healings coming to your body tonight. Some of you held on to some things because other people justify it, but you don't measure yourself by other people. Jesus is my only standard. See, when you're really sold out, you don't care what other people do. You just care what Jesus does because he's my only standard of measurement. I'm not created to be in the image of my favorite preacher or the best Christian I know. I'm created to be in the image of Christ. So tonight, whatever weight and whatever sin that has tripped you up and has been a stumbling block and a weight to you that's made it hard to go after him with everything within you, tonight I'm going to ask you to leave it in one of these baptismal pools tonight. Go die well tonight. Miracles are going to manifest tonight. Miracles that are undeniable, that are unquestionable. Look at me. I hear the Lord. Some of you in this room will go home and your marriage will be completely healed after tonight. I even hear specifically, you came here in desperation to pray, God, please change my husband. God, please change my, my husband, my marriage. I can't go, I can't do it. I know you're at the wit's end. I'm telling you, God's moving in your home right now. God's moving. Don't you quit, don't you let up, don't you give up, don't you put ultimatives on God, he's moving right now. Miracles are happening. Some of you are going to go home and your marriage is going to be healed. Some of y'all are going to get in that baptistry together tonight. And all of the, the anger from the affair that you keep throwing up to each other is going to be left in that liquid grave. All the bitterness, all the hurt, all the mistrust, God's going to supernaturally change it tonight in the waters. Pastor Todd. Thank you, Jesus. I want our altar workers to interact, to lead these people to the Lord, to make sure. Any questions? Lots and lots of people encountering him right now. If you have letter A, letter A, we're going to come up my side to the left, okay? Right here to my left, you're going to come up these steps. 
Danny, if you'll help us receive them. And in the back, Alec, right here with his hand up, will take care of you. So if you have letter A right now, I want you to gather your belongings and to make your way very uh, quietly to this set of steps to my left, your right, and come right up here to Alec. Our team's going to receive you, take care of you, minister to you. If you've not registered to be baptized tonight, we have room for you. We have space for you. We want you to go register in the lobby. We have four immersion pools tonight. So I pray that uh, you'll do that. We had a word of knowledge come in just a few moments ago that I want to mention. Um, There's someone here that has lung cancer and also perhaps a nicotine addiction. I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Lung cancer and nicotine addiction. You've been thinking, well, I'll come back next week or I'll come back another time. I didn't bring my clothes. We got clothes for you. You can go home completely dry. We have a towel. We have our undergarments. If you know someone that has lung cancer or nicotine addiction or both of them together or one or the other, get them here tonight. Call them. Say it's your time. That word has come forth. Receive it. Father, I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus that you're going to move mightily in this room. I thank you, Lord. Folks have been saved. People are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you're meeting them in this liquid grave, as Bishop said, in that watery grave, that you're going to move and touch people's lives in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet all across the room, if you will. Let's worship the Lord for the next few moments as we prepare for the opening of the waters. It'll take about five to eight minutes. Let's worship the Lord.